memory means to live in more than one world, to be tolerant and understanding with one another, to accept the mystery inherent in questions and the suspicion linked to answers. Naturally, it can also bring forth tensions and conflicts, but they can be transformed into culture, art, education, spiritual inquiry, the quest for truth, the quest for justice. Without memory, mankind's image of itself would be impoverished. We begin today in the name of God, who is in the business of shaping our memory, connecting past into God's better future. Let us pray. God, for this day of remembrance, for pain too deep for words, for lessons learned never to be repeated, for the voices of our past, bless our remembering into your glorious future. Amen. I would like to invite Mrs. Clara Knoppler to tell her survival story. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. For, for inviting me and for helping me to fulfill, fulfill my mission. My mission is to speak about it, to remind people of what had happened. My mission is to fight against evil, to learn from the past, to live in present, and hope for a better future. It's very hard. In the beginning, it was very hard to speak about my Holocaust experiences. But it's more important that I connect with all kinds of people, Chinese, American, Romanian, like I am. It really doesn't matter if we reach the good in the differences, because we are different. One is blonde, one is black, one is uh, yellow, I don't care. Everybody somewhere in his heart, in his mind, is a good person. I will give you a couple of examples that in that terrible situation where we were, there were Christians who helped me to survive, who helped my mother to be with me. It's incredible. It was a risk, but they did it. And my point is that we all can coexist if we not only tolerate the differences. We have to accept and go for the good. And don't be a bystander. If you see, you call them bully, bullies who hit each other, get involved. We went we were so naive. We, have, we were not unified. We had no weapons. Sometimes students ask me, why didn't you fight? Why did you obey? They, and I talk about Nazis, not the German people, 
they had the gun. We didn't have anything to protect us. Even now, I don't believe in revenge. I don't believe in attacking with bomb. I only believe in education. To educate yourself and remember. Learn from the past and educate the people wherever you are. I was a French and Latin teacher for 45 years with my beautiful English accent. But I did not teach English. I taught French. But I didn't mind. I loved my students. And I think all those who met a Holocaust survivor, they are <coughs> definitely protecting the future and building a new future. I remember when I was 13 years old, and the first law of Hungarians now, well, let me tell you something. I come from Transylvania. I don't see any smile. I am his niece. <laughs> My story is so sad that I want you to smile a little before. Transylvania is a beautiful county. It has rivers, mountains, beautiful uh, uh, sites. And I come from a small, small village. In 1940, the Hungarians became allies to Hitler because they entered in the war for Hitler. And then, <coughs> then Romania had to give, it, give, it, give, give up Transylvania. And so we obeyed to all the laws that were given in Nuremberg, uh, laws in Germany against the Jews. The first thing was no Jewish child could go to school. There were no kindergarten colleges or public school that accepted Jewish children. I was one of them at the age of 13. My small family, my father, my mother, my brother and I, we just couldn't accept not to go to school. This happened in June, so in September we would not go anywhere. A famous mathematician and a Christian priest went on his side to the government begging for a school, any kind of school. Based on his merits, they gave us a small school that would fit here in this place. But we didn't mind, we studied. The idea of them, of our school was, whatever is in your head, nobody can take away from you. They took away our houses, our jobs, our valuables, everything. But what that school taught us, I learned for a lifetime. That was in, still in Hungary. Now in Hungary, not Romania. Then they took us in a ghetto. I remember one thing vividly that I have to share with you. My boyfriend was 19 years old, and he was chosen with other six boys to dig latrines. 
because for 10,000 people, there were no bathrooms or restrooms. This boy, like him, stood up and he said, I won't do this. This is subhuman. This is uh, against every, every hygienic law. Even my dog needs privacy when he does number one, number two. He was hanged to a tree, hardly reaching the, floor, the ground. And they said, this is an example. If anybody disobeys to any law or order given by a Hungarian or a German, this and more could happen. He didn't die. He fainted. They cut him off. But I never forget that. I remember when we left the ghetto, which was a terrible isolated place, but it wasn't the worst. We were taken to Auschwitz. Auschwitz is now <coughs> Polish, that time was German. It's a big camp that was a concentration camp and an extermination camp. By sheer luck, my mother was chosen to come with me. All the others were between 15, 16 years old, and till 40. My mom was 44. That was God's help. Because I would never survive without her. There were very small, very few people who had their mother or their sister survive together. It was only eight days Auschwitz. I don't want to tell you how they cut, shaved our hair, how, how we had a little hole in the barrack, and that's where the water came in when it was raining. We stood roll calls from morning till night. Finally, they selected again my mother and I to work in a camp, in a camp, but it's a constant, um, factory in Riga. I know you know where is Riga. It's Lithuania, up there. And we worked 12 hours at night, from 6 o'clock at night till next day, 6 o'clock. Then Germans know how to recycle. They recycled from big batteries the gunpowder. The inside of the big battery was gunpowder. We worked there for three months, day, and somewhat at night. Uh, no, I say from 6 o'clock next day, 6 o'clock. I remember. I will never forget. But still here, we had something to do. After three months, the Russians came, and we saw them every night lighting up the, the camp. They didn't bomb the camp, but they wanted to know what's happening there. One day, somebody came to me, a, a mechanic who took care of our machinery, and he said, listen, tomorrow there will be another selection. The Russians are coming. Watch out. Your mom is very pale. He brought me a little red paper to put on my mother's face so she could look better for the selection. Next day, sure enough, a German officer came to make the selection. 
looked at my mother and said, how old are you? My mom lied. She said, 39. You are not 39. You don't want to work for Hitler. You don't want to win the war. You just go back to your role and continue to work. And that was it. I knew that my mother was safe again. Next stop, Stutthof, another camp, another selection. Finally, we ended up digging anti-tank trenches against the Russians. Six yards wide, six yards deep, thousand women from September 1st till January 19th. It was terrible, I don't forget. But there was one Nazi who helped us to be our life a little easier. I remember when I was sick and I was inside the camp, he came and brought me a cup of tea. Do you know what it was? Unbelievable great thing. This very old people saved, tried to save a pregnant woman to give birth. He made a cradle having um, wood from the forest. The child did not survive, but he made the cradle for him. The mother was survived. I don't want to give you more examples because January 19th, then the Russians were very close to where we were, that was East Prussia. They came and we had to leave the, the uh, place where we were living. Thousand women who went there September the 1st. We were only 500 alive, 250 could not walk. So two, 250 were those who were selected to march. We call it death march, away from the Russians. I have to give you a little example of mothers. January 19th, when we were selected, I was 18 years old, my birthday. My mother stood behind me like usually and had a little package in her hand I didn't know what it was. Some old newspaper packed in something. I opened it. She had a layer cake for me, made of three slices of bread with a little margarine in between. We had one slice a day. And I asked her, Mom, where did you get the bread from? She said, you didn't eat last night your ratio. I didn't eat my ratio. I could eat the stone. I was so hungry all the time. She didn't eat for three days. So to make a present for her daughter, who was 18 years old. So the youngsters never criticize a mother. The soup is too hot. The chicken is too many, too much. Don't do it. They are also mother when a mother does not have any role. She was happy to wash my only dress in the river while I was in the, in the barrack. 
So she lost 80 pounds. She was 180 and she lost 80 pounds. And January 21st, we were finally stopped in an empty German or Polish farm. We, uh, the majority went to the farm stable. We went, those who spoke German, where the SS were trying to find something, some food, because for two days we were marching. And I overheard their meeting. One of them, of the guards said, well, let's burn all those people and let's get away. The old guy, one of 22 guards, he said, no way. If we make this fire, the whole region will smell of human flesh. We can't do that. Another person, another guard said, let's <coughs> shoot them. Let's shoot them. Again, Papa. We called him Papa because he was a kind old guy. He said, no way. If I have bullets, I protect myself. Maybe this was the only reason, but for us, he proved that he didn't care what happens with the, with the burning and, and all that. They took off. We went out at night at 4 o'clock, and all the guards left us alone in the middle of nowhere, just because one man said, we can do that. Papa, that's what we call So did I prove my point? January 21st, two days later, we were liberated. There were no guards. Russians came. They have no food for us because they were in the, they were in the war for many, many years. And we couldn't even ask them to take us somewhere because unfortunately we heard that there was rape in that death march. So people of five people, six people, ten people, we walked home for three months. Christians took us in their attic or their night, on wherever we could sleep. We were five or six in the group. I want to emphasize this because I want to prove that coexistence is possible. Unfortunately, there were not too many, and there are still now. That's why we have to remember. There are still now people who kill each other. In Egypt, Christians are killed. In Darfur, they kill each other. It's going on. And I trust you, the third generation, you are my hope, that you have compassion, you will get involved wherever you see any kind of hatred, prejudice, injustice. I saw you in this college in a sukkah celebration when all kinds of people, white and black and Chinese, and, and they built together that sukkah. It was beautiful, and thank you for inviting me. I see in schools and, and um, I don't know, colleges and churches, I see that people believe me. I brought a 
because my mother survived till 101 in my house, and she survived the Holocaust. She instilled in me faith. Of course, I was a 17 years old girl, and I was rebelling. She was fasting on Yom Kippur in the anti-tank trenches. And I said, Mom, we fast every day. Please eat your bread. No way. I said, Mom, where is our God? She said, don't talk like this. God, is God doing this? Evil people do this. We have to educate the people. We have to go home. She never believed that out of 39 members of family, um, my father had 11 siblings, my mother four brothers. Only she and I survived. Nobody else. So she believed we have to go home and we have to uh, teach people not to be like this. And she fasted and she prayed in the anti-tank trench. Uh, as I said, we liberated in January, we walked home. And another example, nobody in that little village was Jewish anymore. Everybody was taken to camps and killed. We were the first five women who were in this is, uh, working place in Riga, and we came home. Who do you think helped us? Second day of my arrival, one of my friends, a Protestant priest's daughter, came with a velvet dress on her arm, velvet dress with a lace color. Clara, I saved your, uh, your sweet 16 velvet dress. She didn't know where I was, how would I look. She saved my 16 years old velvet dress. A boy, my father had an employee and his son, brought my accordion. She, the same way, pulled off from the truck, put it in the ground, the, the box was in shambles, but I gave that accordion to his son when I fortunately left Romania in 1962. Two examples. Where I, fin I was stopped in my sophomore year, high school, we were, take we were sent home and no more school, so I lost the sophomore year, I lost my junior year, and in September I was supposed to go to my senior year. These kids, my former classmates, Christians, gave me their notes. There were no books in the, in the, uh, during the war. Their notes, and they helped me to pass the exams, the six exams, and I went to my regular school. There were five Jewish girls and 17 non-Jewish. That was a, a public school after the war. I had my uh, four years of university. I got married. My husband was also a survivor. And we had to wait many, many years to let us go because I couldn't live there anymore. Let us go. So what shall I tell you? God bless America. Because after six, six months of waiting in Paris for a visa, we came to my 
to, to America, my two uncles and my aunts lived. Remember, please remember, you saw, you saw an old lady who told you the truth and never let this happen again. I told you again, this is the book. I'm still here, my mother's voice. That's the picture when she was 100 years old. And when a German television came to ask her what motivated her to do all this, survive the death of all what was dear to, who was dear to her. She said, you know, I wanted to prove Hitler he was all wrong. He could not annihilate my people because I have only one child. She has a child, but he has two children that they can stay here for another 5,000 years. That was my 100 years old mom. Thank you, thank you, thank you for remembering. Please, promise that your children and grandchildren never, never forget. The memory is our memory and education. Those are our weapons against evil. Was it too long? Thank you very much. You can get it in Barnes and Noble or Amazon. <laughs> or me.